What up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is episode number 101 of the Run, Eat, Sleep show. Thank you so much for tapping in. Today's guest is a cool dude. Uh, He's been building in front of us for years now. Uh, It is Ben Rosario. He is the founder and starter and head coach, or was head coach, of NAZ Elite, a professional distance running team um, in Northern Arizona. And they've been doing really great things. Their team is fully stacked from every mile or from every distance, um, from the mile all the way up to the marathon. You know a bunch of their athletes, um, household names at this point. And we talked a lot about his upbringing and his his running career, um, the beginnings and origins of his business and entrepreneurship and how that led to NAZ Elite. And then a lot of really cool gems about like, you know, parenting and like, goals and uh, very inspirational guys so I really appreciated this episode sorry for um, there are a couple moments that cut out um, we had some technical difficulties so this is like really three parts kind of stuck together so please forgive any jumps in there in this episode um, but it was a really cool conversation I can't wait to link up with him and do um, some content maybe in the future with the team uh, but really nice guy and if I could pick someone to coach like my kids um, to be like good people, you know, um, and fast, it would be him because the way that he approached, um, some of his coaching endeavors in the past, and then also how he approached his team and built it out and really had some, some foresight on how this is going to hope this whole thing would work out. And it really did, uh, was just super impressive to me. And thank you so much, Ben, for your time. Hopefully you all enjoy this episode. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the Running Sleep Show on Instagram and then subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Hey, Ben, how's it going, man? It's great. I'm having a wonderful day, so ready to roll. Yeah, so yeah, you just you just were on another podcast, so you're in podcast mode. Um, and I, I appreciate that because I know it, sometimes it's hard like to switch over back and forth and I think that um, you've actually done a really good job at like kind of, kind of managing a lot with that with your with your job there. Um, so let, I guess let's talk about number one. What's what are you excited about right now as Coach Ben Rosario? What's really exciting about what's going on for you right now? <laughs> well, I always have my hand in a lot of different things, and mm-hmm. I always wear a lot of different hats. That's kind of how I function best. So it's difficult to narrow it down to one path. But if I had to say, I guess I would just say I'm excited about our athletes. I really love our roster and I love that we've created a team that is now able to compete at everything from the mile to the marathon. I mean, this weekend we have a huge track meet in California, but then we also have somebody at the Bloomsday 12K, which is a huge road race in Spokane, Washington. And then all the way on the other side of the country, we have Wesley Kiptu running the Pittsburgh half marathon. So we're just, we're doing it all. And I enjoy uh, watching everybody succeed. You got, you have, do you have somebody in the, uh, the 15K champs? Is that the 15, is that 15 or 25? Uh, uh, coming up next weekend is the 25K championships, but I actually don't think we're going to go to that one this year. We've won that a number of times. Alephine yeah. has won it on a number of occasions, Alephine Tuliamuk. And then we've yeah, had she athletes. Won it, she won it last year, right? She did. And we've had athletes get second as well. Um, but but it just didn't work in our schedule this year. So won't be in Grand Rapids, but we'll be all over the place. Yeah. 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 You normally are, though, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, let's. So I, I'm kind of like I said before this started. I'm really excited to have you on the show and honored to have you. You know, have you, you have on my I'll have you on my platform um, because like you know what's the work you've done in the last you know several years obviously has just been it, it's you can feel the impact of like what you've done and how you all have managed your program there um, in other lanes or not in other lanes but then in the other teams as well. Because uh, it seems like some of the blueprint, um, like with working with athletes and then having a, a brand on board as well, has is it's it, you've been around doing this for a minute, so it's been it's uh, it's been really cool to see that that work out and play out in other in other areas as well. Um, but let's start like way back though. Like let's talk about like one year old Ben. Not just joking. <laughs> um, let's talk about like when did running become like a thing for you? When did you start running and and how how was that? What did that look like for you then? Yeah. The, it's not terribly different than a lot of people where they answer and they say, well, I started running in middle school and then I joined the cross country team in high school. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. But I will say that I was very fortunate and, and we all are right when we're introduced, because usually it's, it's somebody, a person introduces us and, and helps us fall in love. Yeah. Uh, very rarely do we fall in love with running completely on our own. Uh, and that was certainly the case for me. I had a middle school teacher named Bob Banty who this is, you got to remember, this is the, you know, early nineties. Um, and that run, that second running boom hadn't hit yet. And so yeah. I, I would say probably there was less people running then than almost any other time in the last 50 years. It was kind of the doldrums, you know, uh, cause they had this big boom in the seventies, then it started to wane and then it kicked up again in the early two thousands. And so, you know, here I am in 1992, um, and, going to a little Catholic grade school in St. Louis, Missouri, in the city. And Bob, our, our seventh and eighth grade math teacher, Mr. Banty, he was a uh, runner. He ran. And so he, on his own, created a cross-country meet for all the little schools in, in, in my area uh, in the fall. And then he created a, a track meet in the spring. And if he hadn't have done that, who knows? Because uh, yeah. I played all the sports. I was a total sports nut. But when I did that little cross country meet and did that little track meet, I totally fell in love. And then I was fortunate again in high school to have a wonderful coach, uh, Jim Linares, who remains a friend to this day. And and then I was just head, head over heels in love uh, by, by the time I was a sophomore in high school. So like what but what was that, you know, that those two those two little meets that he started? Like, what was it about that, though, that was like, this is it, you know? At a young age like that, too. I mean, because trust me, bro, if you asked me what I was going to do, like in seventh grade or eighth grade, like it was like it was some strange things, you know, like, you know, maybe Batman, you know, maybe professional golf. I don't know. Something crazy. But like, what was it that was like that sparked it and said, I think, you know, at a young age, like, I love this thing. Well, I was good at it. Bottom line, you know, I mean, I, I loved baseball and I loved basketball and. I loved playing those sports, but I wasn't the best kid on the team. I wanted to be, and I tried really hard. I, I was the best kid on the team, which was fun. And I won that race in eighth grade, that cross country race. And then I won the 800 meters at the track meet in the spring. And I said, winning is intoxicating. Mm -hmm. And then, so then you move on to, to high school and like, what, what was there? I've you know, interviewed a lot of runners before, you know, and it, there's always like this moment where it's like a, a different level, you know, what, when did, when did you have to like level up or when was that, that moment where you're like, okay, this isn't like a, it isn't just as easy as, as it's been, you know, like now I have to step up my game. 
Yeah, I, I think I can tell you a moment, and, and I think it speaks to how important high school cross-country coaches are in, in, in a young person's life. I remember that I was training really hard over the summer going into my sophomore year. And my coach called me to, or maybe I called him, I don't remember, but I was uh, having a conversation with him. And he said in a really like pragmatic but powerful way, hey, I just want you to know that you don't have to be a senior to be a leader on this team. You can be a leader right now. And it was just a big moment for me because then you realized, oh, okay, it's not just about me. Like I got to take this attitude that I have and this passion that I have, and I've got to share it with my teammates and make sure that I'm making them better uh, as well and, and doing my job and taking my responsibility seriously as a member of the team. And I was, uh, I was changed from that day on. And then, so like, just, I mean, I, I'm, I have a son, he's on the uh, cross country team. He's 12 years, uh, cross country and track 12 years old. So seventh grade. Um, so like in these, uh, when I hear about people like yourself that were like in their thing and stayed in that same vein for, you know, the so far, you know, it kind of, it's inspiring because it's, you know, as a parent, you want the kid to find something, you know, that they really love and, and, and something that they can hold on to and it helps them for the rest of their lives, even if they don't go professional or what, what you know, with it. What would be like your advice, though, to to like a seventh, eighth grader running or any sport, really, that like to hear something like that a little sooner, you know, to help them along the road? Well, first of all, I think I heard it at the right time. You know, I don't know that seventh grade would have been the right time. Uh, I think it was healthy for me mentally and physically to be running, but also to be playing soccer and to be playing basketball and to be playing baseball. I did all of those things in seventh and eighth grade. And I just kind of went from season to season. I never, I never, I never did anything all year round, uh, which I think was important from a physical aspect in terms of developing my overall athletic ability. And I think it was important mentally so that I didn't get too, um, obsessed with one particular thing at that young age, because then you risk getting burnt out mentally uh, later. Um, kind of to your point, I think you need to be old enough to really make that decision for yourself as to what you truly love and are truly passionate about. And, and like you, I have a 12 year old uh, daughter and mm -hmm. she is really into dance and dances life right now. Okay. But we make sure that that's not the only thing. She also does piano. She also does um, theater and uh, plays the cello. And she's just very artsy, <laughs> as you can tell. Mm -hmm. But um, if we allowed her to, I think she would probably just focus on dance. And I just don't think that's that's the right time yet. I think we need to keep introducing them to other things. And uh, and then l let's see what happens in high school when when she can really be old enough to make make those decisions about uh, what she wants to focus on. And what and I was because I have a daughter too, fifteen. I was just talking to oh, her good. today, uh, talking to her today about um, you know the whole the team sport you know thing and that energy and what that can give and um, the lessons learned and all that. Like how important is is team sports to a kid, like to a, a middle school, high school, in your opinion? I think it's tremendously important to be involved in group activities, whether it's sports or, or theater or, or the band, uh, whatever it might be. And I think it's more important than ever because so much of what young people are doing right now today is digital and it's just not the same. Uh, you're not building the same relationships 
via text or even via FaceTime, uh, then you then you build when you're with them and when you're participating in an activity that takes a lot of hard work and effort and takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of continuity and camaraderie to to for it to work. I think those are those are life lessons. Um, and look, not everybody's going to become a professional runner. Not everybody's going to become a professional dancer, et cetera, et cetera. But you are going to have to work with other human beings. I don't care. I don't care how digital this world gets. I don't care how much uh, remote work continues to grow. You are going to have to work with other human beings in order to be successful in life. And so team sports can be a wonderful way to learn and develop the skills that it takes to interact positively with other other human beings and work together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is tough. I mean, cause I know, I know we had phones, you know, when, when I was younger and stuff, but it's so much different. I mean, I'm 38 and, it was like we were at the beginning of all this stuff. So it wasn't as powerful. It wasn't as like all consuming, you know, because when I take my phone, the kids phones away from them for the first like maybe 15, 20 minutes, they're like they're they're like very mean zombies. You know what I mean? And then after a while, like once they realize they're not getting that 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 electronic back, then they slowly kind of like start to go back to the kid that like I think they are, you know. So it's a really strange thing. Like, have you ever you heard of those like getaway uh, pods? You know those like vacations. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you sit in there and just just nothingness. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. This is oh, like these little. There's like the. They're like popping up all over the country. Those they're called like getaway or escape or something like that. Where it's like it's they're always they're on these like far out places so they don't have Wi-Fi and they like encourage okay. you to lock your phone up in a little box. And uh, a coworker of mine took their kids there and they were like out of their minds for the first like hour. But then all of a sudden they started like doing random things that they don't normally do at home. And then That's like right. wanting to go for a walk and wanting to do something. And then she was like, it was the best, like 24 hours of her life. Like she saw her kids like go back to like normalness, you know? Um, but yeah, like, so random parent tangent there. But um, so like after you, you know, the, your coach told you, be, you know, you can be a leader now, you know, what, how did that change? Like, I mean, sophomores pretty early to say like, oh, wow, this is, that's a, I feel like that's a life lesson at, at that moment. But like, how did that change your perception of like the sport, um, you as a person? And then how did that like help you lead forward into college? Well, I, I think it really allowed me to be myself. I, I do think for whatever reason, I, I kind of am a born leader. Um, I was the kid in grade school who was always setting up the basketball tournaments, you know, that we were playing in our backyard or setting up the, the little, um, uh, you know, Sandlot wiffle ball game or whatever it might've been. I was just kind of that kind of kid. And so maybe coach saw that in me, I think a little bit. And, and um, yeah, I just began to assert myself as a young person um, and, and encourage others and just take again, the responsibility of making those around you better uh, very seriously. And it just got a head start on it. You know, I just, I just got uh I just put myself in a place or he allowed me to be in a place where I could uh, uh, allow, you know, have my voice heard. And, and I, and I used that, I think for, for good. I, I am a, um, a kind of, um, you know, I got a loud voice <laughs> and I'm uh, just kind of that, that type of person. And, and you can, you can use that for good or you can manipulate that and, and use it for, yeah. for evil. <laughs> and yeah. and um, I think I learned through team sports to use it for good. And then, so once you, once you're, you, graduate high school what's next what's next for you I know you went to college and ran but like what was how was that transition 
Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, more of the same. I mean, I went to Truman State University, which was a Division II school in Northeast Missouri, and the first year there, we stunk. <laughs> um, we, we, our coach uh, Ed Schneider brought in a really good freshman class, myself and four or five others, and we were really talented freshmen. But the older kids on the team at that point, the older athletes, were kind of checked out. They weren't really taking it seriously. Yeah. And look, college can be a lot of fun. And we yeah. had a lot of fun that first year, believe me. Uh, but like in high school as a sophomore, as a sophomore in college, I kind of took the team together and said, look, this isn't who we're going to be. You know, we, we got to be better than this. And we kind of made a pact not to go out drinking during the season and to take things a lot more seriously. And all of a sudden, boom, we got better and we got better and better. And then by our senior year, we were fourth in the country in, in cross country in, in division two. So uh, it was just another step in the process of, of understanding what it means to, to be a leader, I think. Man, like so like literally like you you just I mean, you really took what he, what your what your high school coach said and, and just kind of ran with it and and just made it your own and, and helped the team get to fourth by senior year. That's that's just dope. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just me, for sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah you you know, know, I mean, yeah. we. I, I, what I did, I think, was I I kind of um, – I did what my coach did for me. I, I allowed my teammates to 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 be leaders in their own way. Um, mm -hmm. I challenged them to be leaders in their own way because we had a lot of great people on that team. And some were leaders by example, and some were vocal leaders, and some were a little bit of both. And um, I think we all sort of got to the point where we understood our role and mm – -hmm that was vital. And that's what you see in great teams at the professional level in any sport. You, you can't be, uh, you can't be great if only one person is running the show. Um, yeah. Everybody has to lead in their own way. And, and um, I think I saw that happen in front of my eyes in, in our, uh, on our team there in college. And, and um, this is fast forwarding, but I, I see that happen with the NAZ elite team as well. And, and I try to foster that sort of leadership where, hey, let's figure out how you who you are and how mm -hmm. you can best lead. Let's not ask you to be somebody you're not, um, but let's challenge you to, to be a leader in your own way. OK, right. That makes sense. And we can definitely jump to that. I mean, because it seeing what we see now, I mean, it's it's um, a team that's been like it seems like it's been very carefully put together it works i mean there's so many different like you said there's so many different uh, disciplines that you that you coach but it, it all works together you know there's not like just a you know 15 20 marathoners but you I mean like you said you have somebody all the way down to the mile um and it's it just seems to all it, there's no missing pieces and it all seems to work very well like how talk to me a little bit about like the beginning of naz elite and how did your professional career after college and your experiences play into how you wanted to build this team. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have had better professional experiences in terms of being prepared to, to work with a, a professional distance running team. Right out of college, I joined the Hansons Brooks team in mm -hmm. Michigan. And it was a cool time to be there because they were really just getting started. Mm -hmm. uh, they started in 99, uh, but it was just Keith and Kevin Hansen who owned running stores in Michigan, funding it out of their own pockets. And it wasn't until that summer slash fall of 03 uh, that we signed a deal with Brooks. So literally when I got there, they did not have the deal with Brooks. Oh, yeah. uh, and only a couple months later, they got it. Wasn't because of me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you, might as well, you can, you can take the greatest. <laughs> no, definitely not because of me. A hundred percent, not because of me, but um, yeah, it, it was cool to see that actually though, take place and, and get that experience of how, you know, watching Keith and Kevin 
pitch the team to different sponsors and watching them negotiate that deal with Brooks and seeing how the athletes responded to, uh, to Brooks as a sponsor and seeing how the sports marketing folks at Brooks worked with our team and the innovative, um, the innovative folks at Brooks worked with us on, on new racing flats, all, all the things th- those ended up coming, those experiences ended up coming in handy for sure. Um, yeah. But then on the, on the, you know, the team side of it, I mean, just understanding, I mean, I was at practice every day I was running. I, I knew what the athletes were talking about. I knew what made them tick. I knew what they wanted. I knew what they didn't like. And so I just got a wonderful two years of experience in learning how a professional running team works. Now I didn't do it because I eventually wanted to start my own team. I, I just wanted to run as fast as I could. These are just things I realized later that I was learning in the moment. I was just very focused on running as fast as I could. Uh, But after two years, you know, look, the harsh reality is unless you're at the top, top level, you're not really going to be able to make a good living. Um, And, and, I just needed a new challenge um, and I needed to make a living. So I left in 2005, went back to St. Louis, worked for one year as the special events coordinator for the St. Louis Marathon, which was a cool experience because I got to work on both ends of the spectrum. I worked on their kids program that was sort of citywide. And then I also worked on their senior citizens program. So I was, okay. I was one day I'd be at a school, like pumping up kids to run. And then the next day I'd be pumping up 80 year olds to go for a mile run. So right. or, or walk. So yeah, I just worked with all kinds of different folks and I got to see the the back end of how a big city marathon was put on. So that was pretty cool. And then, um, I guess, I guess, what, so what's the, what's the, what's the, the one thing you learned about the kids, the kids side of things? Well, I've always loved working with kids. I even when I was in Michigan, I volunteered. Uh, or I guess I got a little stipend to coach a, a middle school track team the two mm-hmm. years I was in Michigan, and then and then working with the kids program at the marathon. I think I just learned that, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Kids want to move; mm-hmm. they want to have fun. They're meant to move and have fun and run and be kids. And mm-hmm. so, all you really have to do is give them a little nudge and and make it fun and they'll they'll run a lot a lot of kids running programs is based on just tricking them into running okay. uh, through through games and such yeah. and um and all of a sudden you've had an hour of them running without it, them even realizing they're running okay, um, right. and, and that's what i think sets the foundation for them to then run in a more serious way later and then so for the and then so for the senior citizen i'm i'm, I'm assuming that you can't necessarily trick them into you know, running for an hour. <laughs> so what was like, the, what was that dynamic like? How'd that work out? I think what you have to do or what I did anyway, because it was called the mature mile was I just went in there and tried to get them excited about something because what I realized in talking to them was, you know, they ain't dead yet. You know, right. they, they want human beings are human beings regardless of age. And they want something to look forward to a five-year-old wants to look forward to uh, his friend's birthday party, um, at the bowling alley, <laughs> you know, and, a, and an eight year old wants to look forward to playing chess with his or her, uh, buddy, you know, down the hall, uh, whatever it is, they want to look forward to things and they want challenge. They want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And so this was a cool way for them to challenge themselves. And we, you know, super safe way. It's just a one mile. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to get, you know, some of them had to get ready for it. You know, if they weren't out moving, they had to get ready for it. And it was cool to see them on quote unquote race day, you know, um, 
I mean, some of them were out there with walkers, you know, and, and just awesome. make, making it a mile. So I just kind of learned more about human beings in general that mm -hmm. we like to have uh, goals. Yeah, that's awesome. And then so after so after sorry to have you divert there no, a little bit. Okay. But I just thought that's a really cool dynamic. I mean, that's you just don't I, mean, I haven't talked to anybody that did both, you know, like, you know, eight year olds to 80 year olds. You know what I mean? But um, so after after the, the marathon uh, working with them. What what led up to the opportunity for for NAZ Elite? Well, the next thing I did was was I started a running store in St. Mm -hmm. Louis with with a good buddy of mine from college, Matt Helbig. So we were only twenty six years old, and I'll tell you, it was wild because we started working on the business plan in the fall of '05, and we opened the doors to our store in August of two thousand six, and mm -hmm. we only and, I, and I'm only going to talk money because it's just it provides context to, yeah, to the situation. Right. So we only were able to get raised $60,000 to start this store, which is way less than you're supposed to. Even mm -hmm. at that time, and I'm sure it's more now, but at the time when you looked at all the algorithms and such, you're supposed to have 200K to start a store. This is back in like 2006. And yeah. we could only manage 60 because we didn't have any money. I mean, I put in, I had made 20 grand at a, at a race. I had been second at the Twin Cities Marathon. So I put in 10,000 of that 20, Matt put in 10,000 of his own. We got, you know, the rest of the money we raised from friends and family and we got to 60. That's all we could get to. And so by the time we opened the doors, because we had to put a deposit down on the uh, space, we had to get all the inventory. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to open up with a store. We had to have shoes. We had to have yeah. clothes in the store. So but the, by the time we opened, we were we had less than 10,000 in the bank. And I mean, if we would have started off poorly. I mean, we would have been done for, but we worked so hard out of desperation, which yeah. you, which was a lesson that I learned. Desperation can drive you. Um, we worked so hard that summer leading into August, going to every road race, talking to people, you know, putting flyers on cars, uh, giving out business cards, taking pictures at races. We had our website that we had built so people could come to our website and look at the pictures from the races. And so we actually did $9,000 in sales on our first Saturday, which is a really huge Saturday for a, for a store. Even today, that's a good Saturday. And, yeah. um, and we, were, we never missed a payment. Paid wow. all our friends and family back with interest. Um, opened up a second store two years later and a third store two years after that. And it was just a whirlwind. Uh, I did that for six years. Learned business. I mean, basically taught myself business. Because uh, I was a communications major and um, got to interact with every kind of runner you could ever, ever imagine. And we did a bunch of stuff with kids. We did we put on trail races. We put on road races. We put on track meets. Uh, it was just an awesome, awesome six years of my life. But I was burnt out. After yeah, six sure. years and sold my half of the business to my partner and then moved out to Flagstaff. So um, that's a long way to answer your question. But by the time I got out to Flagstaff, I, I was really in a good position to, to do what I ended up doing because I just had all those awesome experiences that, I'm, mm -hmm. that I've already described. Yeah. I mean, and so what did you have? I mean, at that point, did you already have like relationships with brands that kind of what like kind of helped you kind of go in that direction to want to do a team or when you started NAZ Elite, was it just solely to have a team and who'd you start with, you know? Yeah, I didn't uh, go to Flagstaff actually with, with a plan to start a team. Uh, mm. My wife and I and our daughter was, our daughter was one year old when, uh, yeah, just right, right at maybe just, just over one year old. And mm. we moved out there just to get away <laughs> yeah. really because we were so fried and we had no plan, but we mm. had a little money because we had sold the store. So right. we had a little time to play with. 
um, I did start doing some marketing for Greg McMillan, who owns McMillan Running Company and had a team in town called Adidas McMillan Elite. Uh, but I didn't have any grand plans, honestly. I just sort of figured that I would eventually have a light bulb moment and kind of decide what to do. And I guess that happened in the fall of 13. So I had been there a year and a half. And in the fall of 13, I was coaching a couple of athletes on my own that were, there's always athletes in Flagstaff. Right, and I was right. coaching a guy named Matt Yano and a guy named Jordan Chippengama. And we were having some success. And when you're having success, then other athletes are interested. Hey, what's going on? Maybe this guy knows what he's doing. And the Adidas team was going to dissolve at the end of the year. So that's kind of when I was like, okay, not only am I coaching a couple people, not only do I know that there's a couple other people interested in joining us, mm -hmm. but I also know that there's going to be a big hole in the landscape here in Flagstaff because Adidas and that team is, is, is leaving. So uh, that's what I decided. And Jen, my wife decided to launch NAZ elite. And so we launched in January of 14, but we launched from the beginning with the plan of being a business not mm -hmm. just a running club, not just a group of runners that were trying to run fast. We wanted to be a brand. And mm -hmm. so we had our website and we had our social media accounts and we told stories and we tried to build up a fan base uh, as big as we could, as quick as we could. And it was um, not as difficult as it probably would be today because nobody else was doing it or they weren't doing it to that extent, I should say, to be fair, um, on, on the social side, on the storytelling side. Th there were certainly some wonderful programs uh, yeah. Hanson's, as I mentioned, uh, and, and many others, but, uh, but we were really pioneers, I think in, in developing the brand. And then in 2015, early in 15, we finally had some, some bites in terms of shoe companies interested mm -hmm. because we had been pitching the, the team all along that whole first year, 2014, but we were funding it ourselves, Jen mm -hmm. and I. And mm -hmm. so we couldn't do that forever. That's not fair to our family. So in 15, I was like, hey, if we don't get it, if we don't get a sponsor soon, I don't know how much longer we're going to do this. Uh, but fortunately, honestly, Kellen Taylor ran 228 in the marathon mm. and it was the sixth fastest debut ever. And that was kind of on top of a lot of other success we had had in 14 with, we won two national titles. We ran some really fast times. And so by that time, yeah, we had three shoe companies looking at us as I remember it. And that created leverage, which leverage mm. is good in business. And Hoka ended up being the one that we went with, which was just so fortunate because yeah. we couldn't have been good have gone with a better company. And I guess the rest is history, but we've, 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 we've grown with that brand over those, over these last 10 years, uh, almost 10 years. And it's been pretty darn cool. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so what, but what, at that time, I mean, 2014, um, I wasn't even running at that point, but it's, it was just a different, it was a different world, different landscape. Like you said, um, what made you decide like to, to, to go the brand route like what made you say like you know i want to we want to build a brand as opposed to kind of what is expected in normal like what was that moment like to think because i knew you weren't going to make a living doing yeah. it that way yeah. you know and i knew that in order to be truly marketable you had to build a fan base yeah. um and the only way to build a fan base or the best way to build a fan base in my opinion was to uh, was to connect the fans with the athletes Mm. In, in more of an authentic, more of a real way. And so we would do videos about the athletes. Um, you know, Matt Yano, who was one of our original athletes, came out, for example. And yeah. we told that story in a little video series. Uh, really, that really helped catapult catapult him into.
I was saying, um, and I don't know how this is getting broken up and, and yeah. chopped up. We had a little technical difficulty, listeners. Sorry about yeah. that. Uh, but no, I said that uh, Matt was one of our, our original athletes. And when, when he came out, we told a story about that in, in a little video series. And Steph Bruce was pregnant when she joined the team. So we, uh, she did a great job of, of sharing her journey through pregnancy and through postpartum, uh, her postpartum return to training, and then through her second pregnancy. So we, we established right away that, hey, we were going to be about more than just the results. Mm-hmm. We were going to also tell you about these people as human beings. And we did a great job of that uh, during those years. And I do think that is part of what helped make us valuable to sponsors. And that was certainly part of every pitch deck we sent out. It wasn't just, hey, here are our athletes and here are their times. It was, here are our athletes, here are their stories, Mm -hmm. and here are their times. And I I think that was vital in um, our attempt to to, uh, make ourselves enticing to sponsors. Were you seeing that in other places, like in other sports that made you kind of pull that in? Or is that just like, hey, we need to? Yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. So I I kind of saw the landscape in terms of, you know, whether it's the Olympics and you're watching all the stories that the Mm -hmm. the, the feel good human human um, type of stories that they're showing there or just just press conferences, honestly, was a big um, was a big inspiration for me because the way I looked at it, okay, if you're a fan of the NBA and you're a fan of LeBron James, he's going to speak 82 times a year at minimum. They're going to speak to him after every single game. Then they're going to speak to him after every single playoff game. So you're hearing from LeBron, you're seeing and hearing from LeBron roughly a hundred times a year. Whereas if you're a distance runner particularly a long distance runner and you're only racing five, 10 times a year. Yeah. That's just not enough to get to know someone. And so I, I thought of it like that. I thought, Hey, how many times can we get our fans hearing and seeing these athletes uh, over the course of a year? And Mm -hmm. that that's how I thought of it back then. We now it's a little bit of a different challenge because social media is so much more, uh, nasty than it was then. And there's a lot of challenges to it and there's mental health, uh, issues that we have to think about. So it's a, it's a very different ball game than it was back in 2014, in my opinion. But, uh, but back then we just wanted to share, 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 share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so I guess talk about that too. Like how, how has, um, your, you know, your role as coach and like, in having that building the team with that in mind and sharing stories and, how has that changed with the landscape? That's changed in more social, like you, like you said, like you used to see LeBron a hundred times, really. But you know, maybe back in the day you did, but now it's like you see him like a million times a day, probably yeah. because everything yeah. he says is a sound, you know, this and that. Totally so how, right. How has that changed your like outlook on the way to tell the story? Yeah, well, it's fluid. I mean, we're still trying to figure it out, but. I would say that we certainly, one of the big changes is we certainly no longer require the athletes to be active on social media. Mm-hmm. We, we feel like at this point, that's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really only want them to be on there and active if it's a positive in their life. 
it's if it, if they feel like it's a negative, if they feel like scrolling, because let's be honest, it's not the posting. Yeah, it's, it's the a, scrolling through the replies. It's the scrolling through yeah. and seeing everybody else's rosy, you know, great uh, Instagram posts and tweet yeah. tweets. And you just get a you just can very easily fall into that comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And that's not a healthy place to be. And so, again, I only want the athletes doing it if it's healthy for them, if they gain positivity from it. And what we're really trying to figure out is if you choose not to, then how do we tell your story? Because we still need to. Now, there's a couple of things going for us that weren't going for us back then. There's some awesome storytellers in the sport right now. So many more. I'm talking to one of them <laughs> right now. But but there's there's so many great podcasts and Sidious Mag is doing a great job. Right. And um so many of the writers, uh, Sarah Lorge Butler, Aaron Strout, just doing a wonderful job telling stories. And so the sport is in a better place in that sense. There's more storytellers. And so we don't feel like there's as much of a, of a, a need for us to be the only ones telling our own stories mm -hmm. because some of these stories are, are being told for us. Now, the challenge is, okay, navigating that and who do we want to work with and who do we want to reach out to and you know, who do we think could tell our story really well and balancing that with, okay, we need to still be doing this ourselves, but in what way uh, we're actually bringing on a, a really, really bright young content creation uh, intern this summer named Allison Markham. We have high hopes for this summer and the way that she's going to help us navigate that and help us essentially talk to her age group mm -hmm. because all of a sudden I woke up and I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, man. <laughs> you know, when we started, I was in my early thirties. And so I think I had a better grasp of what young people wanted, but mm -hmm. man, those days are gone. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, a 20 year old is so different from me and mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, so we're trying to figure it out, but, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting time. And then so, and it's, it's mental health awareness. One of the means you brought up like the mental health aspect of like, you know what athletes have to go through um number one just you know to to be competitive in the sport and want to reach for goals and you know having good times bad times all that stuff but then on top of that now you have like the social media aspect where um you know the athlete that you know wants to be seen too you know like wants to share wants to like be normal and be in the world and be on social media and stuff like that but um like you said the, the it's just different and there's so many it seems like there's so many forces that like want to be negative and want to bring someone else down. Um, how do you, as a, as a coach, and as a friend, you know, to these, these runners and your athletes, like how do you help navigate like that mental health awareness space when it comes to social and, and just running in general? Just try to take the pressure off, you know, just try yeah. to remind them that, um, you know, it's a process oriented business, not a, not a results oriented business. It's a little bit of both. Don't get me wrong. You need to produce results, but you need the results to come as a byproduct of the process. Mm -hmm. And so try to focus on that. And the running media and the running fans are, are not terribly negative. Yeah. I, I think, I think the bigger issue is actually just just what it does to your brain when you see quote unquote, everybody else always doing well. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is they're not, you mm -hmm. know, they're not always doing well, but they're just not going to post their lows. And I get it. You know, I, I don't expect them to um, over the years, we really tried to have our athletes talk about their highs and their lows. And some of them were willing to do that. And some of them weren't. 
And I kind of now realize that I shouldn't have to ask them to do that. Uh, I mean, if they want to, sure, of course, you know, but, uh, but again, going back to what I think the problem is, I, I just think that, you know, when, when you're just so consumed by it, it's overwhelming and mm. they need to get away from it. It needs to be their job in yeah. a good way. It's a super fun job. It's a super yeah. fun job. But I just worry when you go to practice, you run, then you go home, you take a nap, then you come and lift weights, uh, be, you know, because that's a part of your job. And then you um, go for a second run because that's a part of your job. And then you go home and then you scroll and all you're looking at is other runners yeah. and watching running videos and reading articles about running. At some point, it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't think that's healthy. You right. know, if if you were an engineer, I don't think it would be healthy to come home oh, from yeah. your job and just watch engineering videos all night. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's what I'm trying to to figure out. And I don't have it figured out. And I'll be the first to tell you that. And so I'm I'm just simply telling you, I don't think that's the best way to do it. And we're really interested and keen to figure out what is what is the right way to do it. And I think it's somewhat individual, but uh, but we want to help the athletes feel feel good mentally because you're not going to perform at your best right. if you're if you're not clicking on all cylinders uh, physically and mentally. Yeah, I mean, because that that's just tough in general, like in 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 life and in, in just because if you're always on social and then like, I guess that's like, I don't have an issue with my kids being on social media, really. But I guess it's just like, how are they processing the information or the not, it's not even information? Well, how are they process, processing what they see? Yeah. You know, like, is everybody rich and having like the time of their lives? You know, it's it would seem as if they are, you know, and it would it, seem as if everybody just has great workouts and everybody, yeah. just, you know, everybody like no one else hit the wall in that marathon. But, but me, you know, yeah. um, and it's and, and I could see like just in life in general, that's hard enough. But then it, with it being your job and in part of your dream is to do this thing, you know, better than everybody, you know, um, to have like just to scroll and just see people just crushing workout after workout even though like they're limping the rest of the day, you have no idea. You don't even know how healthy people are or aren't, you know? Um, but it just seems really crazy. And I could see that that being a, a difficult thing. All right. So I was going to say, like, I can't really say welcome back. Cause it's like the middle of the episode. I think I'm gonna leave this part in because no one, everybody thinks that podcasts go perfect. I, well, this is our second time recording. <laughs> we had a few difficulties. I really do appreciate the patience of like jumping back on the show. Yeah, no problem. No problem. We had a couple hiccups the other day, but, but here we are back at it. Yeah, those dang internets, you know. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, so we were just talking really briefly. So, like, so we'll pick up where we left off a little bit. But I kind of had a question because we were talking about the shoes behind me and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, obviously, Hoka is the main spot is the sponsor of the team and has been uh, since you since you since you all stood it up or since you got your first sponsor uh, after a little little after a year or so after you know being in existence. Um, what's that been like being part of the Hoka team and I would assume that they lean on you all a lot for like, you know, for reviews and, and ways to, to make shoes better. What's that? What's that process? Yeah, it's like? been great. I mean, from the very beginning, it's been great. I'll, I was just telling this story the other day when, when we first started, Hoka didn't even have a racing, a racing shoe, a road racing mm -hmm. shoe. And we were heavily involved in that process. We, we had athletes running cause we signed with them in February of 2015. And in March we had two athletes running a marathon in LA, the U S championships were in LA that year. And they gave us one of their shoes and one of their innovative team members basically took it on a belt sander and shaved down the bottom so that it would be lighter 
And we ran in that, I mean, in the LA marathon, that's all we could do. And so it's kind of, it's kind of cool that that was the beginning, you know, it was, it was at that level. We were, we were quite literally on the ground level of um, their journey into racing shoes. And we've been a part of it ever since. And so if you fast forward to more recently in the super shoe revolution, we were quite heavily involved as they built their first super shoe, which is the Rocket X2, uh, the first one with not only a carbon fiber plate, but also Piba foam. And yeah, they came out to Flagstaff. We tested it. We gave our feedback. That feedback was um, was received. And then they came back with another uh, version that was a lot of it honestly was based on that feedback. And, uh, and, and of course they have other athletes too, that they sponsor. And I think, I think all the, the athletes were really involved in it. And, and I think it, it ended up being a, a wonderful relationship, a wonderful partnership. And now the shoe that's out, the rocket X two is really, really good. Yeah. Cause I, I had, um, cause I've got the rocket X, I've got the rocket X and then I've got like the, I have had a few of the carbon X series and I wasn't necessarily like the biggest fan of the carbon X, um, but I definitely liked the thought of like maybe possibly racing or doing like some really hard workouts in the Rocket X. But it wasn't like as a shoe guy, it wasn't like, you know, uh, it didn't like stack up, I guess, against some of the others, you know, some of the other super shoe like vibes or or like silhouettes and all the whole thing. So when I saw I saw I think I saw Alephine in it first, maybe. Um, and I, like, I was like in person. So I looked down. I'm like, holy crap, like what is going on right now? And then. Um, and then, so I got a chance to like, uh, the, whatever this version is, I got a chance to run in them. I ran the, you know, my half marathon in them and they're, it's like, it took them for, it took Hoka from being like a, um, maybe, I don't know, somewhere in the ranks a little bit lower, like not in like the top five, you know, conversation for like a super shoe for a marathon or a half to like really close up there. If not like fourth, fifth, like in that, like this is they're they're in the conversation, you know? Um, so like, how does that feel to, though, to like, as a coach though, too, that need, that has athletes that want to be, you know, have the thing on their feet that they feel really confident. How's that feel? It feels very, very good. <laughs> it feels, <laughs> like, feels yeah, a lot better great. than, you know, the period from 2019 to 2022. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, and they know that, you know, I, I can say that. And, and, and it, it was a tough little period there for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. while they got it right. But, um, you know, I'll say this about Hoka from the very beginning, when they've promised us something, they have come through on that promise, whether mm-hmm. it was um, in the way they, they fund us or whether it was uh, with product or whether it was with, uh, I should say, whether it was with shoes, whether it was a, with apparel, which, which they didn't have when we started. And now we have great apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've always come through. And so I, I trust them implicitly. That's, that's really dope though, to, to, for them to, to be someone on the ground level of their, of the running side for, you know, the performance running side um, when they, when they got on board with you in the first place, and then you are also somewhere in that beginning journey too. So it's like, you guys are growing together and it seems like it's like working perfectly. Yeah. And I should say that, you know, they, they were founded as a super innovative company mm-hmm. and were really different <laughs> when they mm-hmm. came over to the United States from France with these goofy looking big shoes yeah, yeah. and they were getting a lot of no's. Uh, from running stores, but the 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 quick story is that Boulder Running Company was the was one of the first shoe uh, running shoe stores to adopt the Hoka um, philosophy, mm-hmm. and 
Boulder Running Company at that time was really well respected. I think they still are, uh, but it was really one of the best stores in the country. And so when they said yes and started selling the shoe and it started mm -hmm. doing well, then other shoe company or other shoe stores, I should say, followed suit. And then it kind of grew from there. But the the very um, the very core of the company is it is performance oriented, you know, mm -hmm. but it was just the performance they were looking for at first was that crazy trail performance and the downhills yeah. and handling the, the uh, terrain of the, of the adventure racing that was going on over in Europe. So it was, it was founded as an innovative sort of performance driven company. Hmm. It's just that, you know, in 2015, when we came on, they, they weren't involved in the, um, the racing side on the road, you know, but the shoes were still very performance oriented, just making that clear. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. And then, yeah. Cause it, it's just, it's definitely a different, like they, they seem very um, like agile in that sense where, I mean, cause they, they you, it, I think I would imagine it's tough to, cause right now, like Hoke is everywhere, you know, like yeah. you see it on, you know, any range of people, like if you just go outside there, you're going to see a Hoka on many different people. Um, so like, I feel like it'd be, it's really tough for a brand to, especially on the running side to, to have, almost all groups of runners um, like paces or, or, or abilities um, to for them all to have a shoe that they like and, and can really like go into and like feel like it's, it's, it's meeting them there. So I just, it's a really impressive, like how they've kind of done that because there's so many, there's brands that don't necessarily have that they're missing like little gaps and like, you know, where it's like, you, you don't really have a shoe for this, but you have a shoe for like, you know, super, super easy day. And then maybe a race day or just race day. Um, but Hoka really now has like this whole line of of options for like any type of run that you want to go on, which is pretty incredible. Of course, you know, run, run, runners come in all shapes and sizes, all ability yeah. levels. There's, there's a lot of different needs uh, that need to be filled. And yeah, now we go all the way down to kids shoes, which yeah, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw that. Man. Just like, released. So, yeah, I mean, it, could, it could, couldn't be better. We couldn't be more pleased. I missed the boat, though. My kids, my kids are just now like they're like I'm, an adult size is just now. I'm like, dang it. Same, oh, same, same, same. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, guys, shrink your feet a little bit. We'll get you some hook <laughs> um, to get along the wave. Um, but we were we were kind of talking about like the you know the before we got cut off there. We we're talking about the social media side of things and like how to navigate that as um, and how your athletes have to go about doing that and then also you know managing it with their profession and it's kind of part of their jobs as well to kind of uh, as a as a signed athlete to to kind of promote themselves and just be trying to connect with the with the folk with the people a little bit what what's your advice though like as a parent as a coach what's your advice though for like for people that are having trouble they want to get out there a bit but they're having trouble navigating like their their mental health um along with that well mental health first uh that's that's first and foremost so if it's if 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 the way you are approaching social media currently if you feel that is a net negative, not that there couldn't be some positives, but if it's a net negative for you, you should take a break. You should take a break from it. And regardless of how you feel about it, it's, I think we can all agree that it, the social media is fluid. It's different now than it was two years ago, four years ago, six years ago, and certainly 10 or 15 years ago. And so you have to be able to adapt as it changes and you have to be willing to say, hey, I no longer feel like this particular platform is a positive space for me. Yeah. 
And so I'm going to leave that platform and I'm going to try something new. Um, and when it comes to our athletes, I think it's a matter of trial and error. We really do want them to share their journey and interact with fans and connect with fans. But there are so many different ways to do that. Social media is one, certainly. And if that's your way, awesome. If you get positivity from that and you're building your brand that way and people are digging what you're putting on social media, awesome. Uh, but if that's not your thing, host a podcast. Um, if hosting a podcast isn't your thing, make sure you say yes to every time you're asked to be on a podcast. <laughs> if, if that's not your thing, write a blog post. If that's not your thing, make sure you volunteer anytime we have a um, grassroots kind of in-person activation. Uh, there's just so many ways. And so I, I am excited about the world we're living in right now in the sense that they have tons of options. Social media is yeah. simply one of many. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's so many options too. Um, and then if you're lucky, you get an athlete or a person that like kind of can do a few, a few different things, but there are so many different ways that, you know, that people can, you know, for lack of better words, like make money, you know, like there's so many different ways that people can, connect in in all of that so and also i was i thought i was on a podcast the other day just kind of like a side thing is like for people that um so many so many times we think that we're like we're the only ones going through something like like for anything we always think we're the only you know it's everybody else is doing just fine you know but if if there's an athlete or a person that's like looking and trying to find their way to connect and it's not this way or that way um the way that works for you there's going to be people there too you know, like just know that there's gonna you're, you're gonna find your people if you if you try. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you and I were talking about that in the in the part one of this podcast. Yeah, yes, it's, it's like it almost seems like it's almost seems like weeks ago. Yeah, no, very much in agreement, and and we can't all be Stephanie Bruce, uh, who I yeah. think I was talking about um, before we got cut off. She's so wonderful, and she's done such a great job, and she's so authentic. And what you see on social media is who she really is. Um, but she's kind of an outlier in that way, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, um, and she can, she can handle it and she, she, it's a net positive for her. And yeah. so, so that's awesome. And I'm so proud of her and everything she's done, but, um, but we can't all be her. We have to be us. You can only yeah. be you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so on to the coaching side of, oh, back over to the coaching side of things. Um, so you got, you, y'all have had a great year. I mean, 2022 and 2023 so far has been a really great year for, for NAZ Elite. Um, what are some like the, as a coach, like, what are some like really high moments for you, uh, in, in the last year? Well, you know, first of all, we certainly have a coaching staff, you know, I've kind of moved into this role where I'm the director and, um, mm -hmm. and then we have a head coach and assistant coach and, and, you know, there's a lot of collaboration, but, um, what am I excited about? Well, I'm excited about the, the versatility of the group. The fact that we have people that can compete at a high level in the mile, uh, the 5k, the 10k, the half marathon, the marathon, we we're, we're mile to marathon now. And that was really our goal uh, when we sat down um, in the summer of 21 and sort of laid out a plan for this, this Olympic cycle. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the thinking is that by the, by the time the, the Paris Olympics roll around, we wanted to be a group that could be very, very competitive at all of those distances. And I think we're achieving that. So that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, that's awesome. And so like what um so as so as 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 the director of the group now, so you're a little you're a little not removed from day to day, but you have a little bit more time to kind of oversee everything. Um what's what's next though when it comes to like, you know, Ben Rosario? Like what are you what are you working on? I know you have a book out. What's like tell me a little bit more about that, but then also um like what's next? What are you what are you excited about for you? 
Well, my life is is uh, sort of, you know, um, just what's the next cool thing I can be a part of. Yeah, I, I've kind of I've kind of done away with five year plans <laughs> a while ago, and and I just live in the moment. And you know, the book is a good example. Follow your heart. Uh, it's the story of Stephanie Bruce's not so final last season. Um, I thought it would be cool to write a book about Steph's last season when she was going to retire and New York City was going to be her last big race, and she was all on board for that. So I wrote that book as as that segment went along, and. As it turned out, it wasn't her final season, which is awesome. Um, yeah. and, and so that book kind of tells that story, which is cool. Um, you know, in the last year since I moved into the director role, we've signed a lease on a commercial space in Flagstaff and we built it out and it's our new performance center. We have a treadmill, an elliptico, a sauna, a weight room, our offices. We have a massage therapist that works out of the center. We're hosting group runs for the public starting today, actually, as we as we uh, record this yep. podcast on Friday afternoons. And so that was a big goal of mine um, to, to really be um, – to, to really take steps forward in terms of professionalizing the group. That's always been a goal. And we've, I think, been on the front end of, of the professional side of things for, for a long time now, but this was another step in that direction. Um, I'm working hard to solicit additional sponsors, um, particularly on the non-endemic side. So of course we have Hoka as our title and that's not going to change, but we would be interested in, in, in sponsors that are a little bit outside the box, um, outside of the, the, the running world, if you will. Um, working hard on that. And that excites me. And of course, we're getting ready for all of the activations surrounding the Olympic trials marathon in Orlando and the Olympic track and field trials um, in, um, in Eugene, and then the Olympic games in Paris, uh, because we, we have a full group of athletes, both from the U S and, and abroad, and we expect to have multiple Olympians. So we want to figure out how to tell their stories over the course of the next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. It's so many, it's it just with, with all that coming up, it just seems, seems like it's going to be a very exciting next like 12 months, you know, um, I think so. the, the running, the running world are in, she's going to go crazy in, in a little bit here. Um, and you, you kind of something that's, that's, that jumped out because you talked about the, the community group run um, you've built a, a within the team, you've built a, you all have built a very great community um, within, within all your athletes. Um, how important is community within that? But then also like if for you to have this, you know, brick and mortar place to then bring in the community and, and actually run with folks that you know aren't professional as well. Like how important is community to you? Both things are very important and <laughs> both things are very important. The, the culture of the team is the, it's the bedrock on which we were built. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, chemistry and culture matter in sports. I believe that we make each other better. Uh, now look, there are a million ways to do things and there are a lot of different types of athletes out there and, and a group format is not for everybody, but yeah. for the type of athlete that loves that group environment, loves having teammates, loves doing workouts with others, loves being pushed, loves pushing others, loves um, building people up and, and, um, and having people that, that they know have their back on a daily basis, all those kind of things that, that that's what we're built upon. And that's what we believe in. And that's what we believe the majority of our success can be attributed to over the years. Um, and, and we believe that moving forward, as far as our connection with our fans, I think that, you know, early on, we did a great job with the digital side and making sure that we built a fan base across the world on, on social media and, and on the internet. And, and we did that and we continue to focus on that, but I have really enjoyed, um, 
I would say since the, well, weirdly enough, there was a period in there where we couldn't do this stuff because the pandemic. Yeah, but yeah. We, 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 we learned a lot during the Atlanta Olympic trials marathon okay. because we made a, we made a big push that week through the help of our board of directors, really, um, to make sure that we maximized that week in terms of not only what we were going to do on the course, because we were pretty confident in what we were going to do on the course, but we wanted to make sure that we took advantage of all those running fans being in one place and we wanted to reach as many of them as possible. So we had a pre-race party and it was sold out. It was awesome. We had a group run the morning of the race that ended up having 300 people at it. It looked like a road race. We had um, Hoka rented out an entire bar and the entire upstairs of a bar during the race right on mile one. And of course it was a loop. So they kept coming around and people be in the bar hanging out. Then they come watch and then they go back into the bar. They eventually got kicked out of the bar. Um, but that was, that was after Alphine won. Um, and then, and then we had a big party that night and we just realized that, Hey, these face-to-face interactions are really special. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big goal of ours moving forward. Now that, that got put on pause, uh, but it's back now. And we've been doing those things, um, even, even as recently as last week at the big Sur marathon, Ben Bruce and Steph Bruce and myself, we went there as ambassadors for Hoka and we went to a pub run and we went to a shakeout run at a running store and we were at the VIP dinner and we spoke to the VIPs uh, before the race and, and we handed out the awards at the after, after a party. And I mean, I just think that those are the, look, you're not reaching as many people as you do with an Instagram post, yeah, right. but the people you are reaching, you're reaching them in a real um, face-to-face special kind of way. Yeah. And so now that I can do, now that we can do those sorts of things in Flagstaff, through our or with our performance center at our performance center um that's just another way where we can make connections that are deeper than tweets and posts yeah i think i think that for that that 2020 to like 2021 and 22 and a half maybe um was definitely the the right time to like be ready for that social push you know that that social media push and um even if you still like a lot of companies and things and stuff started up right in during that time. And they were, they had, you had to be a very strong social media driven like company. Um, yeah. And if you're ready for that, that's, that was great. And you got like, you saw a bump because people started to connect in, in different ways and broader ways. Um, but, you know, to be able to get back to that, that in that in person and have the right people in place and have that thought to like, to not try to stay online um is a very good thought because like that's those 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 things where people never forget you know like the when they get to walk up and get to get an autograph or take a picture or chat for 30 seconds with somebody that they've been following on instagram forever um it just it, it means so much so I'm, I'm glad that you all are like are purposely and wanting to like tap back into that too um sounds like there's a lot of balance going on in yeah, there's buckets, you know, there's buckets yeah. and, and we're bringing in a social media or I guess you would call her a content creation intern this summer that's going to crush it on the on the social media side for us yeah. and, and bring a real youthful, energetic feel to our to our um, channels. And uh, I'm excited um, about that and, and hopeful that that's is, something that uh, works really well. And AZ Elite here, uh, to TikTok immediately. <laughs> I think I think she will do that. I don't want to promise that on her behalf, but I, yeah. I, I'm certainly not going to do it. So um, I'm hopeful that she does. That's one platform that like I have one, but it's just like, I don't, I mean, I feel like I don't know what to do with it. I just feel like old when I'm on it. Like, how do I not know how to do this yet? But you that's know? my point, right? That's the beauty of it is that's okay. If that's yeah. not your thing, that's okay. Um, and it's funny because what we're doing right now, this is my thing. I love speaking to people mm -hmm. in a long form way. 
Um, and we're just having this great conversation and that's what I like. And yeah. so my platform, if you will, is as far as how I, um, how I build my own um, appreciation for sport, you know, athletes or, or celebrities or entertainers or, or, or influencers is, is through this kind of medium. And that, yeah. and that's, that's my thing, but everybody's different. Yeah, no, because it's like I like I love like YouTube videos or the long podcast or something like that. I don't mind like having it play and maybe like just listen to it while I'm doing something else. And um, but I also pre appreciate the funny, quick stuff too. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's like a, it's like a balance. But um, how how I've ever how like certain like artists or athletes that I didn't necessarily follow and maybe I catch them on like the Breakfast Club or something like that. That'll be the moment where I'm like, oh, I like this person. I'll go listen yeah. to their music because I found like I, I connected with them. Oh, like they think the same way I do about, you know, these seven things, you know? Totally, totally. So like I think that's really cool. And um, and you're starting to see that too, like with more athletes being um, very open and candid on like podcasts and different platforms. People really connect like almost immediately. Like, oh, this person's like a real, you know, they're fast, faster than ever, but um, they're a real person. And I like that. And I'll follow and I'll do all the stuff you know <laughs> there you go yeah um so really i just wanted to you know want to say thank you so much for like all the things you do um and because you're definitely a, a huge part in what we see as american distance running so thank you so much for all the input and all of uh, your hard work and building a wonderful team um and th that often represents us on the world stage so i we definitely appreciate that um one of the things that I take away from from like talking to you and watching what you've been doing over the last you know last few years that I've been in running um, is that you, you you're a builder of, of things you know um, so if you could leave me or us with some words of advice for for folks that hope to one day build something mm. yeah I mean I, yeah it's interesting you say that I over the last couple of years. I have done a fair amount of introspective thinking and, and I do think that's what I, at my core, I'm a builder of things. I built a running store from scratch. I built this team from scratch with the help of many others, mind you. Um, and that's really exciting for me. And, and um, I see, I can tell in talking to you that you're the same way. Um, what would my advice be for people in that boat? Um, I would say that my North star, if you will, when I was building my running stores, and my North Star when I've been building this team is just, <laughs> this is going to sound really, really corny or basic, but just do cool stuff, you know, just, just have fun. Do the, do the type of things that you think would be fun. If, if, if that's your North Star, then you're going to end up attracting people that are kind of like you and, and like-minded and similar to you. And, and that's going to be your, your tribe and that's okay. You can't be everything to everybody. And, um, I just simple as it is that that's what I try to do. I just try to do cool stuff and hope people like it. And if they do like it, then I double down on it and do more of it. And then I keep trying to do more things. And if they don't like it, then I throw that aside. And it's just kind of constant trial and error when you're building things. Man, well, I'm, I appreciate all the cool stuff you've been doing. Um, I'm going to continue watching, and I know everybody else will as well. I'll send, I'll put all the links of all the things that you all do. Um, but really do appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, and thanks for bearing in with me with the technical difficulties. No problem. Thanks, Tommy. It was awesome. No, thank you, man. Have a good one.
Yo, when I tell you guys that, number one, Ben Rosario is a class act stand-up guy. I mean that with all my heart because we had some issues, obviously, with, with this recording. Hopefully you bear, if you're here still listening, you bear through all the ups and downs and the slightly confusing uh, moments because we got cut off like twice. So um, podcasts don't go perfect all the time. And this is proof of, of that happening. But luckily, Ben was a very uh, gracious uh, guest on the show, stayed in there with me and we figured it out. Um, and I think it was a good conversation. Um, hopefully I get to have him back on, maybe do something in person um, to make it a little cooler out in you know Arizona uh, and do something fun and record some stuff and bring you all some of the answers and questions and questions and answers or whatever that you really want and deserve from him we didn't really get a chance to talk about like his philosophy because i at first i thought that would be a little bit too nerdy um and a little too like a little we don't normally i don't normally get into that on the show it's normally about like you know personal things and like growing you know lessons and stuff like that um but afterwards i got off the phone i'm like dude i have one of like the one of the best minds of like american distance running right now um, and I didn't ask him like anything about running, which is, I mean, about like actual philosophy and training and stuff like that, which was wild. I can't believe I let that opportunity slip by. But hopefully you had you love this uh, this episode. Make sure you share it. Make sure you like it and leave a comment or leave a review. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Follow uh, the podcast at the Run Eat Sleep Show on Instagram. Follow NAZ Elite on Instagram. Um, they're doing amazing things. I have a feeling that this year. It's already been good for them, but I have a feeling it's going to get even better as they go throughout the year. And I cannot wait to see the athletes that they have on the line at the Olympic trials um, in Orlando. So thanks so much for listening. Love you guys. Peace out.